Good morning, everybody, and welcome back to Real Time with Bishop McGovern. I am your editor and producer, Brianna Whalen. Along with me is your host again, Bishop McGovern. How are you today, Bishop? Good morning, Brianna. I'm doing very well. How about yourself? I am doing fantastic. So we're here to talk about an important mass coming up, the Mass of Chrism, correct? Correct. So we're uh, beginning Holy Week on Palm Sunday. This year it's April the 10th. But then as dioceses around the United States and around the world, we'll have the Mass of the Chrism, which is celebrated in some places on Holy Thursday morning. Other parts of the world, it's been moved to, like in our case, Tuesday of Holy Week. It's a very important liturgy. So why is it so important? Because at the Mass of the Chrism, we bring together the priests, uh, the clergy of the diocese with the lay faithful. And during the course of the liturgy, the bishop blesses the oil of the catechumens, blesses the oil of the sick, and consecrates the chrism, uh, that oil with perfume that's used uh, in our sacraments. All three oils are used in different sacraments, so it's a very important point of uh, sanctifying uh, our life together through the sacraments that Christ has given us. And then also we're at the liturgy, the priests who are present will renew their promises, renew their commitment to serve the church as priests of Jesus Christ. And so that's a very important day, uh, not only for the priests who are present, but for our entire diocese. So I'm, I'm looking forward to that mass on Tuesday and preaching and leading the priests in our rededication and then uh, blessing each of the three oils. So you're talking about blessing the three oils. Now you are one one bishop mm -hmm. and you have an entire diocese to cover. Mm -hmm. How can you cover that within this mass? Well, what happens is we, we bring a uh, different oil from the olive and uh, that there's a prayer of blessing for the oil of the catechumens, which is used in the preparation of a person for baptism. So whether it's an infant or an adult, that as part of the preparation to be baptized, there's an anointing that takes place. It, it reminds me a little bit of how athletes in the ancient world used to use oil as sort of a prep for sports to kind of loosen up the, the, the joints and to prepare for uh, different types of sporting events. That, that catechumen, that person who's preparing for baptism, is a sense of what is uh, impacting us because of evil, because of original sin. We ask the Lord to, to cast that out and then for that person to be prepared now to be filled with grace through the sacrament of baptism. Uh, so I bless that oil first. Okay, so what's the second oil? Well, there's also a blessing for the oil of the sick. Uh, that would be the, uh, the oil that's used when, uh, in our Catholic faith, people uh, call for the priest. We read about this in the letter of James. Are there people ill among you? Let them send for the priest of the church and let the priest pray over them, anointing them with oil in the name of the Lord. The prayer of faith will save the person. If they've committed any sins, their sins will be forgiven them. So this goes back to the time of the apostles, uh, that the um, presbyters, the priests, would pray over a person who is ill and then anoint them. So uh, today we would anoint a person on the, the head and on the hands. Earlier in the life of the church, the person would also be anointed on the feet. Possibly at one point in church history, I think people were actually anointed uh, in several places. But the idea is that uh, th this sacrament includes the forgiveness of sin, which is why a priest can anoint you or a bishop can anoint you, but not a deacon because of the forgiveness of sin that takes place as well. And also that sense of praying for the person to receive the strength that they need to recover and also to be able to bear their cross 
of their ill health. So the anointing of the sick, that oil is uh, blessed by the bishop in this liturgy as well. So I actually have a question. Do you believe that anointing of the sick actually works? Oh, yes. I mean, I, I would say, you know, anointing has been part of uh, healing uh, for, uh, I mean, I just remember years ago, I had an accident and I had a terrible scar on my head when I was in uh, my 20s. And uh, the doctor, I talked to the doctor, I said, well, what about the scar that's going to be left? And he gave me a bottle of oil. He says, rub this into your forehead every morning, every evening, and uh, it'll help that scar heal. And I, I still have the scar a little bit, but it really did a great job of helping to close that, that gash and uh, that it wasn't much of a scar after all. So I think the, the healing, the medicinal property of oil is something that's widely recognized. But in this case, it's not just ordinary oil, but we, we pray over it, I bless it, and it's used, this oil, exclusively for the sacrament of the sick, uh, that the priest first prays over the person who's ill uh, and then anoints them on the head and the hands. Uh, yes, I very much believe in that, that healing power of not just prayer, but the, the, the matter through the oil itself that, uh, you know, Jesus's healing power, it's not a memento from 2,000 years ago. You know, when Jesus cured the blind or helped the people who couldn't walk, walk again, that that healing power of Jesus is available to us here and now through the ministry of the sacrament, through the ministry of the priest, so people can be uh, restored to health. And we really believe that. Uh, so yes, uh, so that I believe in the healing power of the sacrament of the sick. It, it doesn't always, uh, the person not always healed, and perhaps in the way that they wish, but it always, I think, carries a healing power that it, it brings to the person. We're talking about body, mind, and spirit of how do you heal on each level. Okay, so what is the third oil for? Well, the third oil is the chrism. And, and so whereas the oil of the catechumens and the oil of the anointing of the sick is blessed, the chrism is actually, we would say, it's consecrated. So in this case, it's a, a kind of a more formal prayer and the bishop actually breathes on the chrism. That sense of uh, that there's something consecratory about that pneuma, that breath of the bishop. Uh, think of uh, Jesus breathing on the apostles in the upper room when he breathed on them and said, receive the Holy Spirit. That there's something about that, that pneuma, that breath, that uh, is consecratory. And then the chrism, it also has perfume in it. So it has like balsam that we pour into it and then we, I, I stir it. But it's that sense of, you think of the word Christ, you know, we talk about Jesus Christ. What is Christ? Christ is the Greek word, Christos means the anointed one. It's the, the Greek word for Messiah, you know, in Hebrew. So Jesus is the anointed one. And chrism, you know, that we're called to imitate Christ, uh, who is uh, priest, prophet, and king, that there's something of his life that is shared with us, that in chrismation, you have that sense of, of Christ, you know, dwelling in you. So think of uh, which sacraments is chrism used in? Well, at baptism of an infant, chrism is used to anoint the, the child after they've been baptized. Chrism is used in the sacrament of confirmation. So think about when a, a child, a young person, an adult receives the Holy Spirit, that, that chrism is used to anoint their head. Chrism is used in the ordination of a priest to anoint his hands. When I was ordained a bishop, July 22nd, 2020, in the Cathedral of St. Peter, Cardinal Supich anointed my head with chrism. And then chrism can also be used in the consecration of a church to, to anoint the walls of the church with chrism. To say it's really dedicated, the church building now 
not to any sort of secular activity, but to, you know, for the glory of God and praise and worship of God. So a cute story about chrism. I remember there was a woman who, um, she had a baby who was baptized Sunday afternoon, and then she took the baby home with her family. And she said later that night, the baby wanted to, to feed. And so she began to nurse him. And she said she, she hadn't washed his head since the baptism. And I didn't realize this, but babies warm up when they, they breastfeed. And so with that, the chrism on his head reactivated and it kind of became moist again because he was sort of perspiring as he's warming up with his mother's milk. And she said she's holding him in her arms and she just kind of, you know, could smell that chrism. It was just sort of the perfume, the balsam was filling the room. And she said it was just a very sweet time to be, you know, with her new son who'd just been baptized and that sense of the, the aroma, the perfume, really kind of the fragrance of Christ filling the room. And so she said it was always a very sweet memory of, of the day of his baptism. And I think it's a beautiful image for us to think about that sense of, uh, you know, as human beings, we, we want, you know, we're sensory, we, things we can see and touch and taste, uh, but that experience of chrism with her newborn, her newly baptized son, it was very important to her. So I just shared that as an example of, you know, how as sacramental people, we appreciate things that we can see, touch and taste and smell. Wow. So what do you tell somebody who hasn't gotten baptized when they were younger, but are planning on to? So I, I think I, we have a student from uh, Prater Rocher in St. John's, St. John's, St. Joseph's Catholic Church, who is getting baptized and also receiving confirmation at the same time. So how do you prepare somebody for that? Well, I, I would say, you know, to, to first of all, walk with them uh, through, you know, what does it mean? What are you seeking? So usually when a person is presented for baptism, they would say, well, I'm seeking faith, you know, faith in God, faith in Jesus Christ. And then, well, what does faith give you? Well, the faith gives us eternal life, that we have a faith in the Lord Jesus. Uh, he offers us eternal life. And that, that experience of seeking and finding and being with God is really crystallized in the sacraments of initiation. That when you enter into baptism, I mean, the word baptize means to plunge or immerse, Usually we, use, we would use water, obviously, for baptism, always. But that sense of, in the early church, you'd be sort of go down into a pool and, you know, I baptize you in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit. You would be immersed in the pool. And that, as St. Paul says, you, you die with Christ in baptism. Your old self dies and you come up again out of the water uh, renewed. You, you have a new life as a disciple of Jesus Christ. And then uh, the, the next thing would be, to be anointed with the Spirit. So when you confirm this young person who's uh, looking forward to this, that in the sacrament of confirmation, you receive the Holy Spirit, just as the Spirit descended upon the apostles at Pentecost in the upper room in Jerusalem 2,000 years ago, that same Holy Spirit is given to each person at confirmation that the gifts of the Spirit, wisdom, knowledge, understanding, right judgment, fear of the Lord is all it fills you in the level of your soul. So, you know, that, that receiving the Spirit in confirmation, then you live out of the Holy Spirit for the rest of your life. You live with the Spirit. I love how our Lord, he uses the word paraclete in the gospel to describe the Spirit. And the paracletus in the ancient world was your advocate or attorney who would stand by you at court telling you what to say or what to do. When you think about the Holy Spirit as the paraclete, you know, you're not alone. God is with you in the Spirit, who's right there with you at your side in life to guide you, to teach you, to help you to know what to say, what not to say, when to act, when to refrain from acting, but allow the Spirit to really lead you. Amazing. Um, so 
I'm thinking about this. You talked about how if you're older, you get dipped into a pool, if I'm, if I'm correct, right? You, you can be. So in the early church, you would be immersed in water. That's what baptism, the Greek word, means, to plunge or immerse. They could have used a river. They could have used a pool. But I think it's uh, that sense of, of going down into the water. I mean, lots of religious groups use water for ritual purposes. If you're not Jewish and you want to become Jewish, it involves a ritual bath where you have to go beneath the water all the way that covers your head, and there has to be a witness to that. But you do it under your own power. In, in Christian baptism, you allow a person to baptize you. And so, so yes, there's, there's the immersion water, but over the centuries, we've actually modified that to actually just pouring water. I mean, in extreme cases, it doesn't require much water at all if it's an emergency baptism. I remember baptizing a baby, a, a, premium, a premature baby in a hospital, and I used a little eyedropper to just three little drops of water, a very small child who had just been born early and very delicately praying, I baptize you in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit. So, yeah. So Holy Week is coming up really quickly, which <laughs> next week. Where do you feel most moved during those Holy Weeks? Well, uh, well, Holy Week has always been very important to me, even when I was a teenager and I used to serve Mass at Christ the King Church in Chicago, which is my home parish where I grew up. But I, I think each of the liturgies, I mean, you know, Palm Sunday, we go from the Hosannas to reading about the death of the Lord, and there's kind of a change of mood even during the liturgy. And then I'd say Holy Thursday, the Mass of the Lord's Supper, in a particular way, I've always found the, uh, the washing of the feet, very moving thing, especially as a priest, to, to wash the feet of, of 12 people from the parish. It's a, it's a very important action. It's an important recognition of the humility of the Lord. And then um, carrying the Blessed Sacrament at the end of the, the Mass on Holy Thursday night for the procession with the Eucharist is a very powerful moment to think of Jesus going out to Gethsemane. Good Friday, I think, the veneration of the cross, you know, pressing your lips to the cross this year because of, you know, COVID concerns, we're still going to just simply show the cross to people for silent veneration. And then the Easter Vigil, as a young priest, I used to sing the Exalted, that sort of poem that's at the beginning of the liturgy. And now I usually let the deacon or cantor sing the Exalted. But I think just that, that moment of holding the candle up with the newly blessed fire and this one light in a darkened church singing, you know, Christ our light, you realize in that, in that moment how true it is, you know, that Christ is our light and the light is so much better than the dark and that Christ gives us his light to live as his people in the world and that we're really meant to bring that light of Jesus to others. So yeah, each, each component of Holy Week has moments that speak to me, but I imagine for our listeners, there's moments that speak to them. And for those of you listening, maybe you've not been to Holy Week, to services, liturgies, I would just encourage you this year, try and get out there and go to Holy Thursday at your parish or at our cathedral. Go Good Friday, go Holy Saturday. Certainly Easter Sunday is a very beautiful day. People come out for Easter Mass that we're able to really celebrate the fact that Jesus broke out of death, came out of the tomb, and that Christ is alive forever and wants to share that with us. What a beautiful great gift that is that gives us real, true, lasting hope. I think my favorite time is definitely Holy Saturday. Mm. I love when we light the candles and I, I don't know, I just such a moving piece. When I was in college, I actually had to do a photos assignment involving light. Mm -hmm. So I could see the reflection of the sorrowness and the deep prayer and the deep recollection of what they're witnessing during that time. I, I just found it so moving at that point. Do you have 
any final thoughts or any final sayings for our listeners about the math chrism? Well, I'd say that we're looking forward this year because we're able to ease up a bit on COVID restrictions that we'll have choirs from our three Catholic high schools at uh, Liturgy and great to see the young people there. And also I would just say, you know, while I personally as, as a bishop cannot go around and anoint every person or baptize every person in the diocese, there is something about the fact that I'm the one who blesses or consecrates the chrism and the oils that I do feel like I am involved. I do in some ways participate in all the baptisms, all the confirmations, all the anointings. And that's a great privilege, I think, to be able to participate in the sacramental life of the church. So as a, a teacher, priest, and shepherd of the diocese that because of my role as bishop in blessing or consecrating the oils at the chrism mass, that I have a way of being part of every sacramental, all these sacramental moments in our diocese. And I just want to reassure the people of the diocese you know, of my, my love for you, my prayers for you, and especially praying that this is a good Holy Week for all of you and for your loved ones as we go through Holy Week into Holy Week 2022. Thank you. Okay, thank you again, Bishop McGovern. Next time, join us, and we'll be talking about the Sacrament of Confirmation. But we want to hear from you listeners. We want to hear your questions. Anything to say with that, Bishop? I, I welcome questions. It's great to have a dialogue. I, I don't necessarily want to have these podcasts be a monologue, so I'm always eager to have a dialogue where you can share your thoughts. And I'm, I'm grateful through Facebook. People are commenting and letting, letting us know what's on your minds because it's, it's most helpful to answer the questions that you have. So please don't be shy. Please send in your questions. Until next time, I'm Brianna Whalen, and this is Bishop McGovern, and you guys have a great and blessed day. Bye.